What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 319. Whoa. Check that math. That's right, right? 319? Yeah. Right, cool. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm here, as always. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And with me uh, also is... Ronald. And John. <laughs> Guys, how are you doing? How's it going over there? I mean, you look good, but how are you feeling? Good. I do. Okay, excited. Good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this week, man. Like, I think it's just it's it's exciting week for movies. It's feeling like we're heating up. I think we have, even though we had fun doing it. I think we are glad to be on the other side of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So we so we had, happy. but I mean those those are good episodes. Uh, and if anyone has not heard them, go back and we just did, released the last one last week. But we did a watch them all series where we watched all the Nightmare on Elm Street films. But I think that now that we're back in this kind of free zone of not feel, there's nothing we really have to squeeze in right now that we've yes. promised. I don't think uh, we did suggest we'd talk about the new James Bond movie at some point, and I guess we shall at some point. But other than that, we haven't promised anything to people right. that we haven't delivered. And so now we're kind of in this, like, it's like the beginning of a new season of movie movie. <laughs> right. right. It feels like, it feels like it's okay to wear my sweatpants right now. It's kind of yeah, that man. vibe. Yeah. Which is um, been the last 18 months. Don't get me, but more so after 18. I get that. I actually, uh, <laughs> speaking of Freddie, before I ask you how your life is going, Steve, I grabbed Freddy Nightmare as a TV show mm. from 1988. I have them on my server. So if you want, you guys want to check it out. I watched oh, the pilot. If you, for one, if you for one second think that I did not already see that and have watched about a half a dozen of them, <laughs> you do not know me, friend. How do you feel about the pilot episode where they try to explain the backstory of... Man... <laughs> They're so bad. I it's mean, so like, bad. like some of them, some of them are fun and good and just interesting. Sure. I remember a lot of them from like being younger, but that you got to watch the pilot. It's the pilot is pretty rough. It's dragged it's out. It's, it's, it could be, it could be 20 good minutes. Instead, it's 45 excruciating minutes of just Oof. like long and, and directed by, directed by Toby Hooper. Hmm. I don't, I don't, not many people even catch that. I don't think, but yeah, I mean, like, I was reminded when I saw well, the credits opening, but yeah, I mean, his go. track record is, is all over the place, I guess. In that sense, it's body. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did see that. So and I, I yeah. like to think that part of that was, you did that for me and I appreciate that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought about <laughs> you. I was like, you guys would appreciate this. I thought about it just yeah, in terms no, of if good. we wanted to do like a follow-up at some point, what other Nightmare on Elm Street material was out there. And I was kind of eyeing that. I was like, well, maybe somewhere down the yeah. road. But, so it's a weird collection of things. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I heard that you went on a, a amazing trip, Steve. Yes, tell us a little um, bit about where you were. What you? Yeah, did. man, it, it was. Uh, you know, we, we we got to go back to do our annual thing. Uh, go down to Universal Orlando every fall for their uh, their Halloween Horror Nights event, which is like just basically them flipping the park into like a Halloween haunted attraction. So they use all the back lots. And, and some of the attraction lots to do basic, you know, theming for different haunted houses. You know, this year they had 10 houses. It was the 30th anniversary. Um, they do like a mix of original houses and, uh, you know, IP, you know, depending on what year it is. This year there were only a couple of the IPs. Like they had Beetlejuice was a house and uh, the haunting of Hill House and Texas Chainsaw. So, yeah, speaking of Toby Hooper. Um, so, you know, 
basically we go every year, my, my wife and I and our two closest friends and just, it's like a little adult weekend and we just kind of do Disney while we're down there if we have time. But yeah, we didn't get to the last year for obvious reasons. And uh, we were very questioning whether we were going to go this year or not. Um, but down to the, like literally the last few days before we're leaving, before we like finally booked everything. Um, mainly because of like all the COVID numbers, you know, spiking and surprisingly, I mean, I got to give Florida some credit because somehow they've got their numbers on par with and in some metrics lower than where we are in Maryland and Maryland's like, you know, kind of one of the, uh, benchmark States, but, um, yeah, man, it was great. I mean, like, you know, we were very anxious and Aaron and I have been very, you know, cautious and very selective about what we've done this entire time, but we felt comfortable doing it. And, um, you know, and I was surprised like how many people, you know, maybe it's cause it's like, you know, people coming from all over to these events, like, you know, how many people were still masking up, um, you know, in certain areas, you know, they were still required, you know, spe- like indoor spaces at different parks, it was still required, which was good. And even, you know, just like people in general, it seemed like a, a lot more than I expected, I guess. Um, maybe I'm just not giving people enough credit, but, um, you know, they were wearing it more than I thought they would. And that was reassuring, but, um, you know, it's mostly an outdoor event and, you know, anything inside was, was, was masked. And, you know, if we were uncomfortable and we just wore a mask, like just to be more comfortable. I mean, we wear a mask still here in Maryland for pretty much everything we do because we have small kids and, you know, my daughter is kind of like solidarity, you know, to wear it with her because she's mm-hmm. not vaccinated, but it was really fun, man. I got to be honest, selfishly, it was like great to just kind of get away and do something that we haven't been able to do in almost two years and, well, actually, yeah, this event was two years ago that we last went, but yeah, it's just, it's just an amazing event. I mean, I feel like I've said it on the podcast before, but if you're like a horror aficionado or just, you know, movies in general, just the idea of what they do at that park um, in terms of on a nightly basis, being able to flip it over into this horror land of just crazy, awesome special effects and practical things and makeup and um it's just awesome. It goes from like six o'clock to 2 a.m. And, you know, some of the ride attractions are open still. So you can still ride some of those things in, in the Universal Park um, outside of the haunted houses. But for the most part, people are kind of doing the houses. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was great. Uh, honestly, it was just, and we, we did do, go to Disney as well. And uh, we went to Islands Adventure, which is like the sister park to Universal. It was a jam-packed three days, and I'm still feeling it coming home. Like, my body <laughs> is not the body it used to be, uh, especially after doing nothing for, you know, the last year and a half. But Did you well, get this... on a Star Trek ride? Star Trek ride is Star not Wars ride. Parks. I'm so sorry. The Star Wars yeah. ride. Yeah. So, um, I've ridden the newest Star Wars ride oh. the last time we were there. The the um, Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance. And that's amazing. Um, this year we didn't ride that that day we were there. It was the live, the, the wait was way too long. It was like two hours and ten minutes. Um, but we did ride the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which is also a really cool ride. Um, which I've ridden before, but we rode it again because the wait wasn't that bad. But yeah, man, those parks are just amazing to me. And you know, I'm not a I'm not a coaster person at all. But I made a, a vow to our friend Lauren uh, that I would ride the new Velocicoaster at Islands of Adventure with her and uh, immediately regretted it when it took off and uh, still kind of shaken from that experience. <laughs> Do we by any chance have one of those photos, you know, the, uh, the sickly you know, it's funny. face? Uh... There, there, there is a photo and you know, it's funny. We, we just realized that when we got on the plane, when we flew back, like 
we got the card to be able to buy the photo at the end of the day. So we didn't have to carry it around and basically probably destroy it. Right. And like, we all forgot about it. And I'm trying, I actually sent a message to the, to the guest services. Like, is there a chance that photo is still available to buy like digitally or something? Because I completely forgot that I was supposed to go back and buy it, but yeah, it's a great photo. And uh, if I get a hold of it, I'll for sure send it to you guys. So. It's, um, pure fear, pure well, fear. I wanted to ask because this is sort of one of our, uh, <laughs> this is an October episode and we're doing a little bit of horror yeah. in this episode anyway. So, and we're kind of keeping that theme rolling, even though we're out of the the swamp of Freddy. Um, what was your, what was the best of those, like, uh, you know, the scary movie you've mentioned Hill House. I mean, there's different things yeah. that I would love to hear how they pulled it off, but what was your favorite attraction in that sense of the, the kind of I mean, horror movie it, aspect? It, it probably, I mean, it probably was Hill House. I mean, the Beetlejuice house is really cool to see. I mean, it's not like really... I, I was like very apprehensive about that because it's not like really a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it does lend itself to some really cool like set pieces and like what they did in those in that house was really cool to kind of like basically walk through the story of the movie Beetlejuice and yeah. that looked really cool. Wasn't really a good haunted house. Um, Hill House was really cool though because like you know they were able to pull a lot of the iconography and some scenes from the series and we all like you know that's one of my favorite shows ever and. Uh, you know, it's just really cool to see some of that imagery, like the tall man and the bent neck lady and things like that. And we'd all like, we all like wear matching shirts when we go. So we had a, a come home Nell shirt that we had made that we were all wearing. Mm-hmm. So like, we were all obviously jazzed for that house and it definitely was worth it. It, it delivered. Nerds! I love it. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but that house, yeah. I mean, and the, of the original houses, uh, there was a really, they, I mean, I'm kind of hit or miss on them because some of them just feel kind of generic to me, but. Um, they had like a really pretty impressive one. It was like the Bride of Frankenstein or the Bride of Frankenstein Returns or something like that. That was one of the first houses we did. And we were like really surprised how good that house was. It had some really good scares. And um, they, they, what, like I mentioned, it was the 30th anniversary of the event. So they had a house called, um, it was like the Icons house where they basically had all of the different icons. Like, so every year they have like an icon that is like the host of Halloween Horror Nights. It's like mm-hmm. a clown or it's like a, a murderous director or it's like, you know, whatever it might be. But basically the house was like just basically uh, uh, all those icons thrown into a house, you know, and scaring you at basically every corner. So you had seen all these people over the years that we've gone, we've been going for like the past 10 years or so. And you know, that was a cool house too, just because you got to kind of see all of these faces that you remember. Um, and it was kind of cool how they kind of worked them all in together. And they definitely put a lot of money into that house because it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like their original stuff. So like, that's kind of what they pride themselves on. Um, but yeah, I don't know that, that those three kind of stood out to me just because of Hill house being obviously like a favorite of mine, but those two original houses were also also pretty cool i mean the texas chainsaw house was was fun i mean we've seen that before um there and it's just kind of like a it feels a little bit like a like a one trick thing like you know you hear the chainsaw rev up and you see it so many times it's like it's cool to look at but it's like it's not really that scary um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know so i'd probably say those do they do the sliding door of the chainsaw house the yeah they have that yeah, like you know and it's cool. I mean, like, that's like we've talked about before, like the Freddy house. They've had like a mo- Halloween and Friday 13th. Like they hit the right notes with all these things. And some of those houses really are more impressive than they are scary, you know, or even just like moderately entertaining, you know, like seeing the, you know, 
the puppet scene from nightmare three or whatever, like those reenactments and how they really dress those sets up are just more impressive than scary. It's just like, wow, like I'm looking at something that is like an iconic thing in horror movie history to me, but I'm like standing inside of it. And that's like really what some of the wow factor is. Um, but it's an amazing event. I mean, I, you know, if I've, I know, I've almost like, gone to one, man, I've almost I, gone to one. I feel like your brain would explode. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I know, I know you're like not the biggest horror person, but I mean, right. like just, just the, just the, the vibe of the event is so cool. And it's like, you know, they have like scare zones along the street. So like, even when you're outside of the houses, like there are like actors, like trying to scare you on the street and like, as you're walking around the park and that's really just kind of to keep that ambiance up and kind of make you feel uncomfortable, I guess, but it's, it's a really fun event. I mean, it's, it's not cheap and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive trip that we definitely treat ourselves to, but it's amazing. And I mean, as long as we can go every year, we probably will keep going. I mean, I feel like this year was a little, in, was a little interesting because I feel like they didn't do it last year because of COVID um, at all. And it seemed like they kind of played it safe in some ways in terms of like not going out and getting a lot of those like brand name houses because usually it's about half and half. But this year there were only three. So I feel like the attendance was really good. And I think they realized people were still going to come out for it if it was open and safe and they were doing what they could to make sure people were safe. Um, so I'm hoping that if, it, you know, next year comes around, there's so many things that I would love to see houses. Like I, I, I can't believe they haven't done like an it house or a scream house or things like that just seem Mm-hmm. just like prime for the making and um, maybe like once they kind of get rolling again and get some of those bigger names again um, it was yeah it would be it would be awesome to see some of those things that they haven't done yet so hopefully that comes in the next couple of years so yeah man it was an awesome trip yeah Halloween Horror Nights they do it in Orlando and Hollywood so if anybody is listening in any of those areas or traveling or anything like that looking for something to do it's uh, it's an amazing amazing if you like the haunts it's a it's like the event to go to for sure and uh yeah so that's that was that trip and it was great thanks for asking i wonder if we have any listeners in in uh in orlando or even florida if you're listening and you're in florida uh you know hit us up let us know i'm <laughs> yeah, curious i guess california as well but i feel like i know a couple people that might listen that are industry or not you know that work at some level of the industry out yeah there. yeah yeah like friends, I'm sure you have that same thing. Friends in the biz who might you get the impression they check it out occasionally. Um, but I think most people that work in the industry probably are like, well, I don't need to listen to these yabos. <laughs> I actually, have connections. These guys. Um, but let's do talk about talk about a big event. Let's and uh, industry kind of thing. The Fandom DC event was uh, this past weekend, and there was a, a slow trickle of uh just information and footage and you know a bunch of projects that have been talked about for a long time that we haven't seen much footage from or none at all suddenly there was there was some imagery and some hype so i I don't know just in short i know ronald you were watching it live and you were commenting on the experience of that what was what was your take on that and just the kind of offerings that uh dc is is uh you know got that they have on their slate um yeah, Deadline just reported that the event had 66 million views, global views, um, and the energy surrounding it felt, you could feel it, you know, just just seeing people talk about it. You know, it's, 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 it's not as, it's cool to have something that's remote that we can all watch at the same time. Everybody's seeing the trailers at the same time and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, Batman seemed to be the, 
the one that everybody was kind of clamoring over just because it had been a year since we'd seen anything. I'd say Flash was a close second. Mm -hmm. Um, The set um, kind of update on Aquaman 2 seemed to be a, a pretty big deal. Um, and the and the little clip that they had of Black Adam. I mean, I didn't know that they had filmed at least a scene in the cave. I mean, that's <laughs> it essentially was. I love but, I love that standard of like. Have you have, quick question about your film? Have you have you filmed at least a scene in a cave yet? No, yeah. okay, no. Uh, no but I, I do it, think that like the imagery, seeing something from that, getting a sense of the tone of, of what it's going to be. It's it still I, I still feel like. This movie exists because of The Rock as like a walking hype machine and the way he talks yeah. about it as as though it's this crazy new thing you've never seen before. I'm really not sold or not sh- not like not sold. I just mean I still oh. don't get it. I still don't get what the what the hype is. But what's funny is I was thinking that after seeing the presentation. Um I think the footage footage looked all right and fine. Um looked kind of cool. Um but then after that I saw like a headline that was like uh, Black Adam could beat Superman, says Dwayne Johnson. And I was like, this guy just won't—he just won't shut up about this anything. Black Adam. He's so hyper about it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Like, like is he, there a there there? Do you think, or is it just that he's he's a he's the hero in a movie and he's hyping? Yeah, it? I mean, is I this character going to be some crazy new thing we haven't seen before? I, I, it I really, might be. I, yeah, it that's may, what I'm saying. I don't know. It, it it may be. I think that what they're going to do is probably root some of Black Adam in some of the Rock's roots, which seems to be a. Thing that he does the fusion of uh you know his Samoan background with his characters and if they do something like that sure that'll be something we've never seen before but in terms of like just lightning coming out of his hands and stuff like that <laughs> we've seen that <laughs> and he's a bad guy maybe but he's a good guy I mean I think there's, right. there's a few things going on there that, that might make it an interesting an interesting yeah. thing, but I, you know, it's just funny. But, but yeah, yeah it was and cool Shazam. To, yeah, and and the connection to Shazam. Which but, I mean, feels lot, like Shazam. A lot of people yeah. would have thought that he would have been introduced as a villain in the Shazam movie and then spun off, but they're doing it the other way. Yeah. Um, but some of the other characters that we're getting in this, like uh, Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate, different things like that are are encouraging because it's that kind of thing where. You know, you hear about it with Marvel stuff all the time, where they start mentioning like who's in the supporting cast of a movie, right. and you realize, oh, they're doing they're they're doing more than just introducing the title character to to viewers. And um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the, I don't I don't have any any opinion whatsoever about the creative team behind Black Adam. So I have no knowledge. Yeah. The, the the trailer looked like it, or the teaser looked like a teaser. Um, and Dwayne Johnson is Dwayne Johnson, so he'll either be like. You'll either buy him or you won't, but you know what you're going to get. You know, I don't think he's yeah. going to totally surprise us just because he's going to be making mean faces or anything. Yeah. One of the things that's surprising about The Rock is like, really, you don't have to imagine that he can beat people's asses. Like no. with with Batista and The Rock, you never have to imagine like, oh, man, if this is obviously a play on this, they're they're adding some level of. He's he's a monster. He can beat the hell out of people, and so can Batista. So seeing them in things in a suit that doesn't really add any muscle to them, it's just right. there, a suit fitting his body. It's pretty cool. So, like, I mean, sure, that's that's something I've never seen before. I've never seen him and Henry Cavill are the only men I've ever seen that just like they don't have to add anything to the suit. No muscles, no nothing. They're just dangerously big people who, who are Henry just Henry Cavill's one of those guys who turns to the side and he's just as deep as he is <laughs> yeah, wide. You know? So he's just <laughs> yeah. 
By the way, Man of Steel. Can I? I have to say this, man. One of the most underrated superhero movies in the past twenty years. Hmm. I've rewatched it a couple of times since since it first came out, and it's still sure. It was dark and weird, and had some weird a weird ending and some tonal stuff. But I love that movie, man. I mean, I remember thinking it was uh, kind of misunderstood and and underrated. I guess would be a fair way to say it. Uh, I I think that. I think that it's weird that they never did get to come back and do the the full on Superman movie. I mean, again, that's people have commented on that, but it's just kind of like Ben Affleck yeah. didn't get to do a straight Batman movie. Henry Cavill didn't really get to do a straight Superman movie either, you know. And it does, I don't mean straight man. by not. I, I mean fully within the Snyderverse. I think that it's they still should have gotten their their solo adventure, you know. Yeah, but. Anyway, well, let's talk about some of these other trailers. We mentioned uh, uh, The Flash. Um, I'll just say it. I got more juice out of uh, hearing Michael Keaton's voice and seeing a silhouette of that Batman than I did out of the new Batman. New Batman looks cool, but it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel new to me yet. What feels new about New Batman is Matt Reeves directing. I mean, the, t- the, the team, the people involved, I have reason to believe there's going to be some cool performances in this movie. But the trailers are right. selling me something that really feels like this could be the next Christopher Nolan... Uh, it doesn't feel like a totally different take than what we've seen before. So as 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 cool as the Batman looks, it doesn't make me didn't make me as giddy as hearing Michael Keaton's voice uh, and and the implied storyline that's going on in that movie of you know multiple versions of a character or even right. just even if we only get one version if it's just old Batman played by Michael Keaton we have never gotten old Batman before and Michael Keaton this is enough of a deal that I think that like. You know, the guy's up for Oscars now, so it's like they're not going to throw a right. shitty cameo at him. They're going to make use out of that, and and the trailer looks like something. So I don't know. That that that, that excited me. I thought the Flash looked, uh, the Flash looked kind of interesting. So <clears throat> so I just want to say, poor Ezra Miller. I saw, I, that's all I kept thinking about <laughs> watching that trailer. Oh, he's in it too. <laughs> because yeah, it's like you know, if you read all the production stuff on the Flash, which actually just finished filming like this week, like. You have Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, which is is like John said, yes, in that teaser, it's the takeaway for me too. Like hearing his voice, seeing the cowl, you know, him pulling the drape off of the old Batmobile and hearing him say, holy cut to credits. Mm-hmm. And like, that's literally what I said out loud in life, watching that trailer. And it, it looks cool. I'm sure it's gonna be a fun movie. But I mean, for Ezra Miller, who's like kind of one of the ones that has like kind of stuck around through this Snyder of it all. And, you know, is, is, is it, you know, it kind of, he never got the standalone. Um, that you know people had been expecting and it had kind of got delayed lost a director got a director lost you know and now this movie's here and everything that people are talking about is everything but him and it's like you know you have <laughs> yeah. keaton and, and 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 affleck is in it as well like as his yeah. batman and uh you know there's uh who who who, who um supergirl or, or or one of the other supergirl or back Somebody else is going to be in this that like they were talking about at the fandom. I can't remember which one it was. I don't know if it's Supergirl or if it's another Kryptonian. But it, yes, there's there is another it's, character it's, that it might yeah, be, it it might might be a maybe, version of Supergirl. It might. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But, yeah, but because Henry was talking about one of the other characters that he he knows. Is yeah, I in, saw it so. in one of the press things. I can't remember who it was, but it was basically talking like a similar thing, and that there's rumors that like one of the 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 the, the one female. Uh, person that was like with Zod and Man of Steel that kind of got banished like she's apparently going to be in the movie and like it's just all this stuff like that's a lot of stuff for a movie that is supposed to be a Flash movie which is definitely going to be a Flash movie because it seems like that's kind of like what allows all these characters to be in the movie 
you know, what he can do. Um, but it, it, it is a little worrisome that like, you know, a lot of the shock and awe is around the fact that Keaton is in the movie and, yeah. you know, if the rumors are true, the idea is, is that like, you know, he's kind of going to be like, like a Nick Fury type character that kind of sees through and pops up possibly throughout Nick Fury or even like Iron Man was the Spider-Man, like something like an, an elder kind of who just kind of pops up from here and there and as a, as a, as a mentor, as a guide. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, like the Keaton of it all, I mean, they've done a really good job of kind of being hush hush about it and, you know, and even what you see is just a voice and a silhouette, but um, it's going to be pretty fantastic to see him um, in the Batman suit again. And it's going to be like, a very exciting moment for a lot of people of a certain age, for sure. So, well, well Steve, I, I, another thing I wanted to comment on because you know the marketing. This is a tease. Of, this isn't even really a tease. This is like a, a f- whatever you call it when they have these these. I was going to say festival, but it's not the right word for when they have these like events, these media events. Yeah. It's like designed for shareholders or something, you know. And it's designed to get people. So I almost feel like you could almost argue that this flash teaser exists to say, yes, Michael Keaton, like. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? It's almost like now let's stop treating that as the rumor. Let's stop treating that as the thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, get that out of the way so that we can talk about next time you're hearing about this movie, you're not going to be figuring out whether Michael Keaton is in it. You're going to be you're going to be right. finding out more about the movie. So in a way, I felt like by 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 absolutely confirming that Michael Keaton is in this movie and he's playing some version of Batman, you know, Um then they can say like, okay, now we have all these other secrets and storyline things you don't know anything about that we don't, we haven't revealed anything. So in a weird way, it's almost like, it's like a little bit of like, let's go ahead and reveal something that people already know and people will get excited about having it confirmed. And yes, all the other stuff they have planned for the movie, we don't really know how the character fits in. I mean, so I think it feels like a very calculated move. So maybe by the time this movie is actually being marketed as this movie, we won't be wondering what's Ezra, Ezra Miller's role in this. We'll see a little bit more. Sure. Because sure. I do like the idea of when he says, are you in? I, I do think that implies a kind of rollicking adventure that you can kind of start to imagine. Like a team if, up, yeah. Right. That are you, oh, now we know what the mission is. Are you going to help us? And that feels almost, you know, that James Gunn can get juice out of a moment like that, where it's like, look at this odd assortment of characters that we have, or these characters are working together, but they hate each other or whatever. So I don't know. There could, there's some fun to be had there. But I do agree with yeah. you that it's like, this is the, if comic fans know this is like the flashpoint storyline that's the basis of this and that's a that's a a, a reality breaking storyline it's interesting right. that this movie's being called the flash it's just one of those odd little quirks of the way these movies get made it's like we're calling it the flash but the actual story that it has is like not like a, a basement level or ground floor level flash story at all this is a sort of redefining flash redefining the dc universe um, a story sure. that would have maybe more made more sense as a movie if we had had this steady flow of oh all this DC extended universe connected storytelling, but they have the DC hasn't really done that, so they don't really have our status quo to break uh, yeah. with this movie. I just think that sounds kind of funny, but yeah, uh, I did think that looked good. What did you guys think? Uh, I already said what I think of the Batman trailer. It looks really solid. What did you think of uh, of that? The uh, finally getting like an extended look at at the world of this movie and kind of the tone of it. I'm ready. Um, yeah. I think what I was really looking forward to is like the extent of Batman's detective work being expanded beyond man, somebody used fear gas. It must be, (laughs) you know what I mean? I hope that's in the movie. That's definitely not in the trailer that he's. Yeah. If 
you know, it's being sold to us. The, the directors kind of said constantly. Yeah. I hope that, I know. hope that's not just what they always say. Yeah, but- I know, man. I know. And, and uh, if it is, if it really is Batman doing detective work, going around, kicking ass, asking questions, getting leads, that'd be pretty cool. Um, it feels like this seven sort of, I don't know, man, it feels like this psycho going around murdering people in this like man that happens to have a, 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 a you know, a uniform <laughs> going around in this interesting version of Gotham that seems sadder than the the 1989 version of Gotham. Like, it seems it's so like dark. Dark. I, I, I don't know that I need. Rain. I don't know that I need it to always look so dark. Yeah. yeah again, Give me some seven sunlight. is a seven is a good comparison. It feels like it's yeah. in that world of like dreariness. And I guess it, you just have to do the voice. Anybody who puts on the yeah. cowl, they have to talk like this. There's just we're yeah. we're, we're going to get some version of that. And then um, you got the the <laughs> the best barista ever, the Riddler, who fucking puts the <laughs> cool little. <laughs> question <laughs> the best barista ever but he did he does it while he's like just like leaning into his okay That's paul paul dano right yeah paul yeah. dano is you notice that the- even like the detailing on the this was my favorite one of my favorite things about the trailer was that the the the, the coffee cup has like green bright green detailing on it that the light really catches yeah. and i really like that partially because it's the only color in the entire trailer um mm. so maybe maybe i am uh, again i have a feeling the movie will have more fun kind of this new version of gotham like you said a noir feeling detective story I've, i have a feeling that might come off more in the movie i think the trailer just feels like a really i mean again it feels like it's designed to sell Hey, look! There's a new Batman, and I do think that the the silhouette looks pretty cool. Like Robert Pattinson has a good build for this version of this character. Um, but yeah, I'm waiting to see a little bit more that doesn't just look like explosions at night and fire and and you know shadows. I mean, I know that that's part of the look and feel of a Batman movie, but I kind of sure. want to see you know I I, I do kind of want to see what the what the rest of the world looks like, and I, I you know. Yeah. But but, but Matt Reeves, I'm so I'm so excited because of him. You know, I think he's the main reason why I'm buying into this, despite the trailer looking kind of familiar to me. Ah, uh, no, nah, I mean, like I, yeah, I'm I'm all in on this, man. Like, uh, uh, I, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, people's response to Pattinson being Batman, and you know, there's a lot of negativity around it when it was first announced. I'm just like, I I I've, I've given up on any kind of like initial feelings about casting like that because I just like learned to trust the process and I'm just like I, people feel that way about any kind of thing that's outside of the box, you know, it, with casting or whatever it is in life. But I mean, mainly with movies, it's like you know, I always just the the benchmark for me is always like people and then what they felt about Heath Ledger being the Joker. It's like you know, you you just really never know what's gonna look what it's gonna look like on the screen. And um, so, but that said, I think, you know, the little bits that we've seen of him, I, I am very interested to see what his Batman is like and what his Bruce Wayne is like. Um, I really like what kind of actor he's become in the last 10 years, you know, post Ooh. Twilight. Um, he's really interesting and he's got a really uh, interesting take on all the characters I've seen him in, uh, in, in recently, uh, in movies recently. But the, yeah, I mean, the big thing for me really is the Matt Reeves of it all. I really do love Matt Reeves, and I, I don't think he's really made a bad movie. Um, I, I could probably be wrong here, but you know, even so. things that he's been involved in from a producing and a writing standpoint, he's one of the better uh, and more consistent directors working today, uh, especially in the genre space that we like to watch. You know, um, 
you know, whether it was like, you know, the Cloverfield or, you know, um, let the right one in or, uh, you know, any of the apes trilogy, you know, all these things that like, I really are movies that stand out to me and to know, you know, that, you know, he has such a connection to this story that he's been wanting to tell uh, of Batman. It seems that, you know, he's definitely made a, a tone. And I mean, you know, you can talk about Christopher Nolan or the darkness and anything like that. Like it just doesn't really phase me at all anymore. Um, and I kind of respond pretty positively to that in general, you know, in these kinds of movies. And, and your comparison to Seven, Ronald, is like spot on. Yeah. And, you know, even hearing him compare it to Seven in an interview um, uh, is like just just music to my ears, I think, you know, just in terms of tone <laughs> and, 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 and um, you know, the people that are involved in it. The cast looks amazing. Andy yeah. Serkis and just to to think even that that's Colin Farrell in that penguin outfit or that makeup is just completely insane. I almost wonder why Um, cast him to do that. But I guess when you're just that kind of an actor, it's like you get to do a crazy character turn. I guess Danny DeVito, it's like the equivalent of Danny DeVito being in a crazy makeup, you know, it's just, let's do something wild with this character. But Andy Serkis looks great in the trailer. And you don't want Colin Farrell to look like Colin Farrell, you know, like you want him to look different, I guess, but that's pretty extreme. But he's also like, I think Colin Farrell is like a great actor. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I can't wait. And, you know, in the interviews that he's been doing uh, for some other movies he's been in recently, he, he constantly is talking about the Batman and like, he's so excited for people to see what, what that character looks like and, and does in the movie. Cause apparently he's not like a major character in the movie, but he's in it for a, a decent chunk. Um, but I don't know, man, I'm just very excited to see it. I love the way it looks. I love Paul Dano. I love just the idea of the Riddler being a major force in, in the Batman universe again. And, um that sequence with <clears throat> I, I, li- I like the muscle car look of the batmobile yeah um and the sequence where you know he's like chasing you know the, the big explosion at the end that you reference john's like you know the uh the chase with the with uh the penguin in the car when he's like i got you and you know he comes flying through the fire and flips the car over like i love that yeah. perspective shot of the car flipping and the cameras kind of rolling over and the shot upside down of him walking in the fire i mean it's fucking epic like it looks awesome it does. Um, yeah, and, and, and using that as like the hero shot of the trailer, the upside down with the logo oh, coming yes. in and the music. And it comes it, in it and frames them out. Yeah, it so does cool. feel really like... But that at that moment, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I can see people just, again, you don't have to work that hard to get people excited about Batman, I don't think. But True. all you have yeah. to do is have like a cool looking Batman trailer and people yeah. will probably go, oh, I'll go see that new Batman movie. Um, he's yeah. one of the few superheroes that works that way, I think. Definitely. And the Alfred that looks like he can beat your That's ass. That's what I'm saying. Andy Circus, I really he's like. He's got, he's got yeah. like two a line and a half in the trailer, and he sold me on that character. You know, he's a, he's he's kind of underrated, I think. <clears throat> oh man, yeah, he's great. he is. He's Maybe great. not. Really he's is. successful, and everybody loves him. But you know what I mean? I feel like people don't really talk about the like the com- well maybe th- that's all people talk about with him but it is amazing his level of commitment and it, just yeah. how serious he is about it but like when he was you could tell he had fun playing claw in the in the you know black panther and uh, age of ultron and i think yeah. he looks like he would be having fun doing this and you're right ronald yeah like a a, a scrappier version of uh alfred is fun to see too and the new version of alfred in the comics is basically like the ultimate badass. I know that he's been that for a while, but I mean, they've just gone ahead and said, oh, he has all this crazy training and he's this, you know, which is cool, but I still have in my head that he should be a butler first, but I think he, <laughs> he was like, an, he was like an MI6 guy, you know, first. Um, <clears throat> That's really cool. But uh, at any rate, yeah, so at this point, I mean, honestly, uh, 
I think the whole DC versus Marvel thing can kind of just go take a hike, right? I mean, you know, DC has a, bu- so. has a bunch of projects that look cool, including pe- uh, Peacemaker, which looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Great trailer. And it looks like uh, James Gunn has a TV show, which is, that's the log line as far as I'm concerned. Is, oh, you like James Gunn? Okay, well, he's got a show now. Um, but no, I just feel like all these offerings, like, you know, I've thought about, okay, if I had a Peacemaker trailer and then I had a Hawkeye trailer to watch, I'd be like, these look like fun shows. If I had a Batman trailer to watch and then a, a Spider-Man trailer to watch, or whenever there's a Doctor Strange trailer, I mean, I don't think that there's any reason that, my, that in my heart and head that these two uh, companies have to be pitted against each other. Uh, it seems a little silly almost to frame it that way, to, really. So I don't know. I, that was something I noticed was that like you could be equally as excited. You could think Black Adam looks cool and not know anything about it, you know? And you could, just same as people have been doing with the kind of Marvel stuff. So I don't know. I didn't know if you guys had any thought on that aspect of like, has DC kind of rehabbed itself by doing these slightly more independent projects that now they can kind of cut, they can kind of cut bait and just make whatever movie they want. They don't have to sequelize or... They're not committed to a five movie arc or any of that shit, you know. They're just making. It seems like they're just making movies with with teams that they want to work with. DC um, feels boutique. I don't know how that happened. It's, it's <laughs> like the way that Apple is boutique, although it's like a billion dollar, couple billion dollar company. There's something about the magic of like what it's doing with those smaller stories that aren't connected to, you know five or six other stories that really does make it feel like you're getting something outside of the norm when when these movies come out which is cool i i, I don't know I, I like that i like the trick of making things feel like that yeah. um marvel feels so big now like it feels like you're 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 battling uh, uh godzilla or you know it's like this huge thing that's in it and i you, mean you're not you kidding it, it is like with marvel it's more like what's going to be the thing that people are lukewarm about or that you're going to move past yeah. and we're going to get to all these things but and even they just moved a bunch of movies back by a few months i don't know if you guys saw that news that like yeah everything got bumped back about eh, maybe five months four or five months um, which makes sense. It was starting to seem like, what are they doing? Like, if they actually were going to have a Doctor Strange movie in March after having a Spider-Man movie in December, which already seems crazy, given that we've got we don't even have Eternals yet, you know, yeah. and we're six weeks from a from a Spider-Man movie. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like it's all kind of settling into this rhythm where maybe Marvel needs to, you know, slow down and differentiate as much as they can, and DC can just kind of keep on. You know, not that these movies have all been great. I just, well, you know, you have like, the, there's the Harley Quinn movie, and then you've got the Suicide Squad movie, and then you had Shazam. And then uh, even though Wonder Woman 1984 <laughs> didn't really do anything for that many people. In fact, it's a little odd, isn't it, that Wonder Woman didn't come up? Like, there's no, yeah, we're almost a year past her last movie, and there's no real talk of plans or, so I mean, that yeah. goes to show you what, what 1984 kind of did to the, I don't know, the momentum, I think, of that, that character. So, right. Because right now they're just going with what works. And yeah, they have HBO Max now as a place where they could kind of do some of these, you know, mid, mid-level mid things and maybe with a higher level of production value than they've done with like the the Arrowverse shows on, on uh, was it CW that runs? Yeah, that CW. Stuff, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I, I was, I actually liked, I can't think if there's, are we missing anything? Did they reveal footage from anything else that, that we didn't Them too, they showed some production stuff. Um... There's a TV show called Naomi that's coming out on CW. Yeah. Um, I saw something about that. That's based on a character named Powerhouse. 
that not, I mean, it was, it was a lot, but that's, yeah. that's seems to be the highlight of highlights of that day. So it's pretty promising. Well, Ronald, you want to talk a little bit about Dune part one? Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Steve, you or, haven't seen it yet, but they, they sneak that in the title. Dune do. comes up right and very quickly. Dune. A part one part comes one. up. Yeah. And boy, does it feel like a part one. I'll, I'll say that when it gets to it the does. end, it is a total like, to be continued, yeah. see you next week kind of ending. <laughs> I mean, they may as well just say, doo, 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 and then, <laughs> and come in, and then there's a guy just pulling it. Next time on funny, Dune. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> God, man. Uh, but yeah, Denny Villeneuve, uh, with this scope, with this scale, we knew he could do it with the visuals and the, and the awesome sweep. Um, yeah, fantastic looking movie that I think does an okay fantastic. job of like taking all this world building and setup that it has to do and make it make it feel integrated into a story. There's still a there's still maybe six or seven minutes of just like people narrating that you don't know what their voice is, you don't know who they are, what they're you kind of you know context puts you in place pretty quickly as to whose voices you might be hearing. But there's there really is like a lot a lot of narration and a lot of like information gets fed to you right at the beginning. And I think I don't know, I keep I I still don't know who this movie is for in a lot of ways because I think Dune does kind of have a reputation for being sort of a high-minded bit of sci-fi and I have this feeling that a lot of people think of Dune as like I don't know, boring or over their head or just not interesting, or I tried to read that book once and it didn't hook me or whatever. And then to other people, it's this amazing <laughs> classic. So it's 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 weird that it's not like a, a mainstream... I don't know. Do you guys know what I mean? That this movie, yeah, as famous as it is, as big as it is, it doesn't feel like a mainstream idea. And so this movie's going to kind of live or die about, based on how well does it, as a self-contained thing, sell this story to uh, a new audience. And I, like I said, I think it does an okay job of, of all that. I think it, of, of doing that and being an interesting movie. I mean, definitely the acting is great. The, the pe- everybody looks great. There's some really cool scenery. Um, but I, I found myself, as much as I was processing it for my own enjoyment, I was kind of constantly thinking like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think of this movie? And I've looked at the critical response. I mean, there's pretty positive critical response. Audience response is pretty high. Um, yeah, I, I think this is just, it's such an interesting thing. And the fact that it's kind of the first half of the thing uh, really feels speculative because they haven't even so much as shot one frame of part two yet. Like it's not, it's not a movie, right, Steve? I mean, it's not. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. As yet unannounced as a movie. Yeah. So yeah. what does it all mean, um, Ronald? <clears throat> so, you know, since sci-fi's creation in 2017 (laughs) i've really been kind of a fan of denny's work like you know arrival sicario is like one of the best told stories i've I've seen in a really long time i remember watching that in the movies with you guys and being like what the fuck is this yeah the prisoners oh okay so let me give you context for this so in the past uh month I've watched the beginning of Disney Plus's uh, Disney Plus <laughs> Apple TV Plus's Foundation. I've watched uh, about an hour and a half of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then I've watched Dune. I can honestly say that Dune might be one of the easiest to understand stories, despite it being as 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 uh, big as it is. Like it is a huge 
undertaking. You feel like you're getting it's a little intimidating. And I but think it's, that's but what's you're right. Of, it's not as it's almost deceptive because it's really yeah. not it's not that different from the fantasy stuff that people have seen. Yeah. And it's actually just as goofy as like most fantasy sci-fi movies you can think yes. of. It's just presented with such seriousness that it, it, is. it, it might trick you into thinking that it's like heavier than yeah. it is or more high-minded than it is. No, that's, I think that's the a cool good part about it. Yeah, it like I've watched bits and pieces of the the Dune TV show, and I just remember how. Oh God, I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on. When I say this, I'm not trying to say that. It's it's a little wacky, right? It's This feels a lot more grounded, and in the world of the groundedness, and okay, so <laughs> one of the things that drives me nuts is the idea of like. You know, when you watch a movie, you're like, I, I know what this is going to look like, what this is going to feel like before it even starts. Denis is doing something in this movie. There are things I've never seen in a film. There's things I've never seen in physical form that he's doing in this film that just, it makes, it reminds me of why I love movies. It reminds me of like, this man took on something as truly you know, I've heard this for like maybe 15 years at this point, an unmakeable movie. And if this is even a, a portion of what this story was, and I understand it. it, it's very easy to understand. It's very simple. The characters are really easy to understand. The motivations yes. of the characters are very clear. Well, it's inspired it's the... so many things that it almost feels familiar. You know what I mean? Right, it's like you'll think right. about if... Star Wars and you'll think about other things that have definitely thrown back to this. And you'll be, you'll go, oh, yeah. And and some things actually almost feel tired, like the Chosen One narrative and yes. stuff like that. Yes, 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 you're right. But I think that you're right. That, but, but I mean, you seem to be agreeing with me on a certain level, which is like it's that Villeneuve, like visual sweep, that ability to create scale and scope. What really makes this movie special is that part of it because you've yeah. seen the corny version of this kind of story a million times you haven't seen somebody sit back and try to make every shot like this weird creepy eerie yeah. work of art you know how was some of this stuff done like it's there's there are parts where you you're looking at it and it's like okay this this should look terrible in front of sand this should look really bad or boring in a dark you should, cave. it should get really old yeah people this in should these, look yeah. Off, this is a gorgeous film with a story that I really enjoyed. I, I was expecting to be like, man, I'm going to be bored out of my pants. I I enjoyed every frame of this movie. I did, man. Yeah, it I doesn't feel like it doesn't feel long in the sense that maybe it feels like two and a half hours, which it is. But it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, this movie is so dragged out. It, it just has a no. lot of that like slowing down, like you said, when a ship emerges out of the water or out of the sky, <laughs> you, you you spend a little time watching it happen. Yeah. But it's usually like this, the size of it and the, the effect of it is usually so impressive that yeah. you don't mind kind of slowing down. And it's like the word grandeur uh, comes yeah. to mind, you know, that you don't mind slowing down and kind of absorbing the grandeur of what's happening a little bit. Like when, when the sandworm shows up, you spend a lot of time seeing it emerge from the sand, yeah. but it looks really cool. And again, like you said, Ronald, it looks like they thought about all these details. Like that seems like, like a, the a, a part of the movie is that they took that stuff seriously. 
I'm going to make a stupid. It's like the penis beside the remote thing. You need to see the scale of everything <laughs> in order to understand why it works the way that it does. Like I love it that's really, where you go. With it. No, it's the weird thing. Like, I would say it's like sh- people standing by a giant shark jaw or something like that so that they can show you, you know, like how big the, the shark's jaw. But or you penis go beside penis a remote. Next to a remote. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, but there's like scenes where you see these flying objects and you see them landing. You're like, okay, this is the scale of everything. This is how big the worm is in comparison to, you know, the The penis or or the remote (laughs) or the penis or the remote. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that that happens. Like it's, it's really the, the, the mission that this whole thing, like the whole idea of a, of a civilization coming to another civilization and kind of, trying to create a new rule that that is like maybe not needed maybe not needed maybe not wanted you know trying to harvest something that the natives have already it's like this really cool ideas that that are done in ways that i honestly have seen like you said like i think you're right man i've seen in ways but just not done in, in a way that feels as good as this feels, as looks as good, atmospheric. I blasted this movie, man. Like I should not have turned it up as loud as I did. I thought I, I thought about it. how I would watch this movie again. Like you would think watching a movie like this, and then like when when okay, when it's available for everyone to watch, um, and I would watch it with my family this weekend. Um yeah. I would think like, okay maybe I will watch it again. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just tell them they should watch it. But I was, yeah. I was watching it the whole time going, no, no, I'm going to watch this again. Just like with midnight mass. When, when my, when I put it on for my family, I didn't just like come in and out. I watched the whole thing with them again, because it's yeah. like, you get a chance to kind of soak in it. But for this one, it really is the visuals. I mean, this is definitely, you talk a lot about putting on a movie to almost like test your, your system, Ronald, this movie feels like one that would be fun to put on, um, for that purpose. I felt like the music was a little monotonous and a little of that Hans yeah. Zimmer, like on Hans Zimmer self-parody mode, but there's still a couple of cool themes. And there was, there was one really strange element. When the guy walked across with bagpipes, um, that was the first time it really... I mean, I know, I you know, I, I've never read the book, but I've attempted it over the years and I, you know, I've, I'm pretty well versed in the David Lynch version and everything. So I kind of know, but I had sort of forgotten that this is definitely stated as like, the far-flung future, but these are humans. So the fact that a character has the last name Idaho and the fact that there is like a guy with bagpipes, this is meant to be about 8,000 years from now, you know, and what's happened with humankinds out in the universe. So like those little details can be jarring. Like when you see palm trees that were clearly meant to look like earth palm trees that have been, that are like a a crazy exotic thing to have on this, on this planet that they're on. Little things like that. I find it kind of interesting how it almost reminded me of like, oh, some of the same imagery he was playing around with in um, uh, Blade Runner 2049 with the kind of like ruins of Vegas in a desert type setting, the kind of, you know, it reminded me of that, of like, oh, there is something kind of far flung and relatable about this sci-fi that it is, it is supposed to be humankind uh, you know, <clears throat> at some point in the far flung future, I do think that makes things more interesting. But it also makes those little little things that pop up that are a vestige of our time feel almost like little nods to 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 put the viewer in to remind you this is this is our world. This is meant to be, even though it doesn't look like our world. This is supposed to be 
supposed to be our world. But the first time the bagpipes guy came out, I laughed because I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did they not make that look like some kind of space bagpipes? It just looks like <laughs> fucking bagpipes. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I definitely recommend it. You know, yeah, it's 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 a solid movie. I mean, and the thing is, like, the acting is solid. It just, I don't know, man. Like, it, check it out. I, I I would really like to talk to you about it after you see it, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, well, knowing yeah, what a Denny fan you are, I think this is going to be one of those movies we would have talked about no matter what. But like, it's such a thing. Like Dune, turn like, it you, up loud. Like people talking about it, like it's unfilmable. It made it like a weird challenge on top of every other challenge you would have making yeah. a movie of this size. You know, he makes me feel nuts, man. Like he makes me feel like it because I heard the same thing about Blade. They're like there could never be a sequel to Blade Runner. I don't understand how this is. He made it. <laughs> they couldn't be a Dune. He made it, and it feels like. It didn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like this man might be a master. He's a master of his craft. I mean, we've we've kind of assessed that before, but this right. makes it abundantly yeah. clear to me. You know, it, it doesn't matter how you feel about this movie so much. It's like he pulled off an unpo. You know, this 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 property was thrown around a million times. He took it and mastered it, and it it's like when's part two coming out? I can't right. fucking wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's it. in it too, as you know, Steve. And they're all they're all yeah. even the people that don't have great big roles are, are are really solid. That's another thing that makes this um you know feel feel a little different. It, it kind yeah. of similar to the way that you get like whenever you get good actors in the kind of fantasy, sci-fi, whatever Marvel movies we watch, how much it's the charm of the performers that really makes it work. In this case, you know, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, uh, Timothy Chalamet, we mentioned Dave Bautista earlier. Uh, Jason Momoa has a lot of warmth and is playing a little bit of a of a more muted, grounded guy than we've seen before from him, yeah. I think. so. Um, and uh, Stellan Skarsgård as uh, the Baron Harkonnen, that, that whole... I love the... The bad guys in this are so creepy, you know. There's just yeah. something so wrong seeming about them, and I think that that's no, uh, yeah. yeah. Villeneuve, he, he's really, uh, he's he's doing it all in this one. So I yeah. think, I mean, I think as a fan of his movies, at least Steve, just the visuals alone will, you'll think, you know, are amazing. Whether the story hooks you or not, I guess is what will, what will determine. <clears throat> see, we'll see. Are you cold coming in cold? Like, are you a Dune guy from? No. Okay. So no, not outside of like. The biggest exposure is probably the doc that we've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. Right. Um, nope. I'm more of the, I like Denny. I like the cast. I like the scope. You know, I like the possibility of me being exposed to a story that's like a unknown thing that I just don't know. So I'm, I'm kind of open and excited for that for sure. Welly well. Only one thing mm. left to talk about. And that's um, Halloween Kills. The uh, the the middle movie in the new David Gordon Green uh, Halloween trilogy, which um, was supposed to come out last year and then got bumped back by a whole year because they wanted uh, audiences to see it in the theater. And then they did a nice thing and put it on Peacock anyway. So I got to see it at home. How did you guys watch Halloween Kills at home? Oh, okay. Peacock. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, somebody get it started. What did you think? We're going to do a little bit of a non-spoiler discussion, and then we're going to maybe go into the area of what actually happens in this thing. So we'll let you know when that line in the sand is. But as of now, we're doing you know light light to no spoilers. Uh, general thoughts. I, I, I think it's important to mention, like you made the comment about, like you know, it got pushed back, like every movie did during COVID, and it was definitely a property that like they kind of knew based off the 2018 Halloween that they had, like you know 
a, a, probably a, a bona fide hit already, you know, before it even got into production. Um, so yeah, that's a reason that it did that. You know, the fact that it's coming out on Peacock is like an also ran that just kind of got announced only a few weeks ago, you know, to that point, it was always going to come out and be a theatrical thing, but it is important to note. We talked a little bit about this a little, like a pot or two ago about like the impact of the Peacock uh, release on its box office. And it's just important to note that even with the Peacock being available and they don't really, I think they did release some numbers, but it's a little ambiguous in terms of the data that they provide. But even with the being available on demand, um, it still did over $50 million in its opening weekend uh, in theaters, which is a massive hit, you know, like that's literally on bar with, you know, what a bond movie did just a week ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that but are you said, surprised? I mean, I mean, this is a fucking, this brand is soft no, for whatever no, reason, no. this brand has only grown in a weird way in ways that the other slashers, I don't know if they have, but there's something iconic yeah. about Halloween, about Michael Myers. Why, well, you know, why do we think that is? Do we, we just watched all the Freddy movies, Ronald. What is it that makes Michael Myers maybe scarier, maybe more contemporary for people? Is it just that I mean, it's so simple? It's, it's simple. I, I mean, this is. He keeps coming back. I think the fact that he keeps coming back stronger than ever, he'll beat you up, he'll kill you, he'll fight an essential worker, maybe five of them, (laughs) maybe maybe ten of them. As long as they take turns, as long as they're kind enough to take turns, (laughs) take out a bunch of firemen. Yeah, it just he just has this appeal. I mean, the fact that his his mask is just kind of a blank sort of stoic face. I mean, like it, it really is all of these things combined. The fact that you can kind of see him from a distance, he's a big man, and this mythology that they're kind of chasing in this this new trilogy is really interesting. You know, it's, for better or worse, it is shaking it up a little bit, like mm-hmm. the, the whole franchise. And, yeah. you know, it's that that's what I think it is. What, yeah. what do you guys think? I mean, Steve? I think that it really, I think that it really kind of is like what most of these companies are trying to do now with their, with their franchise IP is that like, they want to at least get you interested to see the movie. Like what, before you even discuss the quality of the movie and, and we'll talk about our feelings on it. I think it's just that like, they want people to be excited for a title and it's not yes. just any title. It's Halloween, which is like one of the most iconic horror franchises arguably ever. And even a character like Michael Myers is one of the most popular um, horror icons of all time. And I think, you know, what you're getting at Ronald is, is a big part of it. And it's also just the fact that, you know, he's one of the OG slashers, you know, he's the babysitter killer. Like he's, he's got this mythology around him that, you know, the shape. Yeah. Like whatever you want to call him, um, you know, for decades, you know, he's been regularly in cinema, regularly at your VHS, you know, whatever decade it might be. Your 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 you know your digital media whatever you're watching it on like pretty much through the decades there's been at least one or two Halloween movies that have come out you know to varying degrees of success but the most important thing is is simply that like the reason they're so su- successful now is because of Jason Blum and Blumhouse and the idea of how they approach making these movies it allows them to be even more successful than most horror movies could ever dream to be in today's landscape you know at cinema at you know, on demand, whatever you want to measure it against. But, you know, him kind of coming in and, and them revamping Halloween with David Gordon Green, David McBride, and Rough House, uh, that their production company, it's just like, it's just like a nice marriage of like an iconic thing. You got Jamie Lee Curtis, who's like the scream queen, the final girl. 
um, well, arguably her and Sydney Prescott, but um, you know, it's just like you have these things that just all mix together, you know, and I think it's a property, it's a franchise that, you know, you can look at the rotten tomato, you know, the disparity between the critic score and the audience score, you know, in the forties versus the eighties or 90 percent. And you're just like, okay, well that's telling you what a studio wants to see. They don't, they, the, the critics don't make or break a movie like this. You know, it's the audience who have just completely bought in to, um, to a character, to a franchise, to a hero, to, you know, whoever, whoever it is that they're following through these movies. And Halloween is like one of the best examples of it in the horror community. And like, I think you mentioned John uh, on the last podcast, like the idea that with these three new films that there's you know more halloween movies than there are really mostly any other horror franchise it's like tied i think i just did the math in my head i think with this one it's tied and so as of the next next year halloween will have more sequels than friday the 13th 13th. which was always the ultimate now i don't know how it stacks up against puppet master they might still have everybody beat with like 50 movies or something like that right right but as far as the big ones this yeah halloween is now kind of the like you said, it's the it's the the evergreen franchise out of the bunch that we usually talk about. And the genius of it all is simply that, like, look what they're doing. Like in 2018, 2021, and 2022, these movies are all coming out the month of October. It's just the best possible way to yeah. do it. You know what I mean? Whether it's in theaters, on demand, a combination of the two. I don't know what will happen with Halloween ends, you know, in terms of how they'll deliver that movie. But I mean, it'll be here next next October. It'll be here next Halloween, and it'll open huge. And you know, it doesn't matter what critics say. It's people want to see Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and see how this movie ends or this trilogy ends. And in five, ten years, you know, there'll be another Halloween movie or whatever it ends up being. And I mean, um, and again, I think the wild card of it all right now with the ones that we're going through is is simply the marriage of like the way that Blumhouse and Jason Blum have managed to uh maximize profit margins or whatever the business side of things you want to say for the horror genre because i mean they are the wild card in it all and i think that you know any other studio that would have made this movie would have made it for way too much and it wouldn't have been as successful as both of them have been and uh yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, I have no doubt Halloween ends will be huge. And, you know, this one will probably go over 100 million in, in a few weeks. And the peacock of it all. And I mean, peacock is not a huge platform yet. And it, it maybe it will never be. But, um, you know, people did watch it. On, I think I saw a figure of like 1.2 million households watched it or subscribers watched it, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad on peacock, but obviously it didn't put it didn't really matter that much to the box office. But um, people just want want their Michael Myers and, and, you know, they'll get it this year and next at least. So let's talk about, let's talk about the movie itself. I mean, you know, at, at a, at a simple, just non-spoilery conversation, what did, what did you guys think of Halloween kills? I'll say this. Uh, I think, and you kind of alluded to this, uh, Steve, with it being kind of a swing, you know, these guys are, these, they, they, Danny McBride is one of the co-writers. There's an attempt to, have they had an idea? You felt like they had an idea when they came back to do these movies. You know, it wasn't just let's have Michael. I mean, there, and you can see there's lots of things that are the idea. Okay, let's uh, yeah. let's erase all the sequels. Let's focus on Laurie Strode as this kind of broken person. This one definitely. Let's look at Haddonfield. I mean, if, if anything, I liked how much they broadened the scope of the characters we were going to see and all the characters that came into it. I think this is a weird movie, and I think that I enjoyed watching a weird 
movie that didn't feel like it was on the same tracks that one of these movies is normally on. And that means there's things that don't, that just flat out did not work for me and some stuff that felt kind of corny or ham-fisted or like it was shoved in or like it wasn't working and other moments that were just really great, funny, surprising, brutal, mean. Uh, I don't know. This movie was a fun watch for me. And it's like, I almost have to say if I were gauging it based on how fun it was to sit down and watch and how, you know, we do this. Ronald, you'll know this yeah. if, if, as, as you roll forward as a horror fan. There will come a time where you're hanging out with another horror fan and you'll say, and I'm, I'm being silly, I know you how it is to put on a movie <laughs> with a friend, but uh, you're a recent convert to the genre. But like you put on a movie, not because you, you're like, yeah, you want to watch uh, Friday the 13th part four or something like that. Not because we think it's the greatest movie in the world, but because we both kind of know it's got a few cool kills in it. It's got some fun stuff to chat about. It's a little bit like you can say, what the fuck is that? And you can kind of get on with your life. You know, Crispin Glover's in it, whatever. Different things about each one. Each movie has different little things to recommend it. And if I were going through that little mental Rolodex of like my slasher lexicon, I will say that, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't rank moments from slasher films, but at this moment, I feel really warmly towards a couple of the scenes in this movie that make them feel like, oh, they would be the reason why when choosing a movie to watch, I would choose Halloween Kills, uh, Big John and Little John. I love them. Uh, I wish the whole movie was about them. I loved the group of people that gathered at the like the the local bar, the karaoke bar that kind of spills out onto the street, and we kind of follow them through. I love this idea of survivors of the incident from forty years ago, kind of mingling yes. with kids in a bar and then becoming friends, and then get. I mean, I just feel like this movie had a real cool human sense of the scope of like the town, like who all would be involved. And even though I don't know if I quite satisfied my my desire for this kind of story and some of the commentary on like mob violence was a little it was a little preachy and a little ham-fisted which I guess that's my new term ham-fisted um but like I think that I like that it tried all that I like that it went for those big moments so yeah I think this is a weird mess of a movie that I enjoyed watching and I will probably watch again I've already watched it twice I'll probably watch it again so well, I mean I watched it once with some friends and then I watched it with my wife and son because I knew that they would enjoy certain parts of it but it was fun having seen it it was fun witnessing other people react to some of the awful things that happened to people uh the 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 old couple with the the drone <laughs> like get killed in these brutal <laughs> ways. I don't know. I just feel like the movie had lots of that kind of, like, it felt like it really paid off that idea of why you get someone like Danny McBride to write a Halloween movie and why you get someone like David Gordon Green to direct it is because it was just bursting with these little pops of humanity. Um, and uh, yeah, actors that I thought were pretty fun to watch. Again, I don't, I don't, I'm not even saying I thought it was that great. I just was thoroughly entertained by, by Halloween kills. I mean, I, it's, I agree, man. Like there, there's a point where it feels like they're trying to establish in in this middle one just how terrible he is. I think there was like before we it seemed like, you know, the explanation of the roots of him getting out and attacking. This was like you need to know how terrible he is yeah. and how brutal he is and literally how, the volume of people that he kills and how quickly he can go from place to place and how little the police don't really react to it's it's a lot of that but god it was fun i had so much fun seeing some of those kills just like 
what? Like, and it felt more brutal than any other one that I've ever seen, honestly. Like, he's never been, I don't think maybe Halloween 2. I don't know. I, I haven't, I'm not as it, familiar with the trajectory. Maybe Halloween 4. I, but the, yeah, this, this was, especially if you think about this as part of, okay, Halloween 1 happened and then Halloween mm-hmm. 2018 happened and then this. This is like Michael, like, he gets out and he's like got a lot of killing saved up or something. He's just ready to, but he's just, yeah. he's just gonna kill you. Like if he comes in and there's three of you there, he's like, well, I got to kill through three people before I leave this place. And he just kind of yeah. goes about it, you know? And I think that yeah. that is what this version of the character was for me is that he was just, it was as though that's his thing. It's like, well, I got to kill him. Eh, and the camera stays on it for so long. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what? no, there Why was, there was a lot of lingering this? on the suffering, which <laughs> I like, made, made this movie feel mean, but it, it, it yeah. added to that, what you're talking about, Ronald, which is like, God, you do not want to encounter this guy. You don't want to think for a yeah. second that you could run away from him or you could fight back or anything. You, they, they needed to establish that in this. I mean, sure. The, the, the first one was, I love the first one. I mean, truth be told this, this one felt like, because they were trying to establish, I, I mean, honestly, the the oddest scene to me, obviously the mob, but the the bar scene with Tommy Doyle, it felt like like a like an AA meeting. That like it felt very weird. Yeah, it he was. just they were having a great time, and he's like, "Look, you know, let me tell you about something awful that happened." Um, <laughs> I, I heard some people commenting on how that scene was edited oddly that suggested to them that Anthony Michael Hall had a hard time getting the monologue out. And oh. I, I don't, I didn't feel that. I felt like that was the movie's kind of editing style was this almost like handheld documentary kind of style. And so oh, it was right, cutting right, around right. the room. But mm-hmm. if you look at it that way that they tried to cut together some form of a, a monologue with that, it would almost, it would almost work. But no, did you get, get like a real strong MAGA vibe from, uh, from Tommy Dude, Doyle? <laughs> Just it a made little me bit. uncomfortable, man. Uh, we, is it? Is it? We, we were saying when they were when they were chanting uh, "Evil dies tonight." That evil oh, dies tonight would look like good that. on a red a red <laughs> ball <Yeah>. cap. <laughs> it was strange, it but was I mean, strange. it felt like they were hinting at that without doing it. They were sort of saying, "Here's a guy who is a little bit of that guy. He's the red blooded, you know." we're going to we're going to get justice kind of guy. But I thought yeah. I, it was interesting seeing him, and you know that character was played by. Um, the adult Tommy was already played by Paul Rudd in one of the previous Halloween sequels. So it was interesting seeing like now this role has been played by Paul Rudd and Anthony Michael Hall and whatever that kid was in the in the first movie. But um yeah, I thought it was neat bringing those characters back, like the idea of who would be left from that moment and and the fact that they would all that would all get together on Halloween. I don't know, there was something that felt kind of like there's a that implies all this, ye- all these years of like support that these characters have shown for each other after this thing that happened, you know. And I still think it's kind of right. like Laurie in this new version of the movies. You really have to believe that forty years later, she's still living that trauma so fully, and that these people are still doing the same thing about something that happened over one night that long ago. But I still think that the movie, it's a, it's, it's this movie trying to deal with something you haven't seen these movies deal with already, which is the idea of this many years later. How would people remember this event? How would people talk about it? And the fact that everybody just fucking hates Michael Myers in this town, I thought was kind of, there's something kind of heartwarming about that, even though it doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, go great for everybody. But um, it's, it's almost a little heartwarming to see how much people are mad at the bad man, you know? You know, I feel like I, I wasn't a really big fan of the movie. Um, I, I did find it, I, like you said, John, I, I could definitely see myself putting it on and watching it. And it's definitely entertaining. 
um you know in terms of like just some of the kills and just like easily just even some some moments where you see like the fall in Haddonfield and like yeah. just the music it's the vibe like, that vibe just is is fun to watch regardless if i thought the movie was good or not but i feel like some of the stuff you're describing like didn't really work for me like this idea of expanding it to Haddonfield but it it doesn't seem like a town outside of that bar and that group of four or five people like having their you know uh little like annual thing at the bar like like the town really remembers what happened 40 years ago like outside of Lori and her family like if you think about the scope of what happened in 78 like it, you're talking about three people dying and 40 years later like all these other killings start happening but you're only really like being reminded of about, about this thing 40 years ago but then it goes from that to like everybody wanting to just make a mob and hunt down anybody through the streets through the hospital like the whole hospital scene where they see the you know there's yeah. another patient well, yeah maybe or, we could get into spoilers in a second here because that that part is a part that does not work that just right i'm just saying the way work. that the way that haddonfield's brought into it i think is a really great idea and you know expanding beyond just laurie and her family um because i don't really know what the purpose of this movie is and what they're trying to do with the new halloween story because i feel like um you know, at one moment and even in the Halloween 2018, like there is a lot of discussion around people not really remembering what happened, you know, 40 years ago, like mm -hmm. Lori and her family do like her granddaughter doesn't even know because it's been hidden from her, you know, in that first movie. And she's learning about it, you know, as we are basically. And I'm sure most of the town of Haddonfield, even some characters in this movie that we meet at the bar they don't really know what's going on you know they've heard some stories recently because of the killings that have happened over the course of the last 24 hours i guess but just the the way in which it escalates is you know in some ways i can believe it because like shit just gets crazy these days for no reason at all it seems but i feel like you know tonally i think that's kind of where i got lost with this one um especially kind of from what they were doing in like the mob at the hospital in particular because for me i felt right. like that I felt very very cartoonish it felt like a simpsons episode or a south park episode where suddenly you just have a mob that's just there yeah. shouting the same thing it felt really cartoon and then what you said about the there's another inmate and there's a whole storyline that uh, i mean i guess i'll right. say it even though i don't know if this is technically a spoiler or not but there's a moment where a character says we're the we're the real monsters or something like that or it's turning right. us into monsters and it was like <laughs> such an on the nose lesson that like a few minutes before that the person a person i was watching it with actually said oh it's one of those the mob are the real monsters type stories you know and then right. like within a few minutes a character said that and it just felt like why are they tr I, I felt like why are they trying to wedge this into this movie because it wasn't it didn't really have much place there. I don't know. It felt like it was uh, like suddenly it was trying to take itself seriously in a way that didn't feel warranted to me. Yeah, I just feel like that's the big problem with the movie is that like I think without without the Haddonfield, like, you know, the mob mentality, the hunting Michael down and evil dies tonight, like, you know, being chanted over and over again and like bringing these legacy characters back to kind of be the face of this 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 movie in essence, because, you know, well, we'll talk more about it in, the, in a moment, but like, you know, these legacy characters that are brought back, you know, Lindsay and, and Tommy and Marion and, you know, other other surprises that pop up for the movie and, and, and ways in which they go extra steps to tie it even more so to Halloween 78 with flashbacks, mm -hmm. you know, those things happening are more of a distraction than I think anything really benefiting the story that they're trying to tell with this new series of Halloween movies. 
because all it really does is, you know, kind of, I think incorrectly or just not incorrectly, like um, inefficiently expanding the Halloween, you know, story or the lore around Haddonfield. For me, that just didn't work. And I feel like, especially, and I just want to note real quick, I didn't love the Halloween 2018 either. Like I really liked it and it's grown over time as I've rewatched it. But the one thing I will say about that movie, it had, I feel like it had a perfect ending. And if that movie didn't have a sequel, I feel like that's a great bookend to Halloween 78. The idea of having three generations of Strode, you know, be involved in the, the proper killing of Michael Myers. Like that's what it takes to kill this, this monster. And I think that that was just so smart and creative and immediately you're like, Oh, they're doing a sequel. How are they going to undo that? And it's in, you know, and that's what this movie really is. And it's really just feels like this movie doesn't have much to do beyond letting Michael be as violent and aggressive and, you know, monstrous as he's ever been um, to just get us to the next movie. Like it's a bridge for me. Like you talk yeah. about like how Dune ends and it's like part one and it's like, Oh, that's just really just half of a movie yeah. to me. This felt like just like, and that's why I feel like I'd say I'd even still put it on from time to time because some of it I did find entertaining. Some of the kills were creative, like the playground scene, Big John, Little John. A lot of that stuff does Those work. Those kids in the playground, when they talk about, well, there's yes. a moment where some kids have seen Michael and the way they're talking about him, what what they feel about this guy versus what we know who about who he is. Right, sure. It's, it's sure. A, there's some really great friction in that moment. You're right. And some of that stuff really works well. And I feel like in a better movie for me, you know, with a better script that gives some of these, I mean, and that's really bother, what bothers me. I think the most is the script I don't think was very good. And I feel like, you know, you have Tommy Doyle being kind of like a lead character in this movie where every third line he says is basically evil dies tonight. And yeah, that kind of, yeah. that grew to bother me as the movie went on. Once I realized like where it was going and and then the role he would play in the movie. Um, ultimately, I feel like Laurie's role in this one too. Maybe we'll get, so if we we keep wanting yeah, to talk I, about I that part of it. Laurie that much no, let's the spoilers part. But we shouldn't imply um, that she's in the movie. Um, but right. <laughs> <laughs> but Ronald, any other general thoughts? Like again, I'm saying very watchable, but a mixed bag. Steve might be a little bit more negative on it, but saying a similar thing. Ronald, what is yeah. your what is your take on Halloween Kills? Before yeah, we move I mean, into I kind of feel zone? like I kind of feel like both of you feel like it, it's not the best movie, but it is so rewatchable, and I think there's something to that. I mean. That once the third one comes out, it may be kind of just a, a bridging movie that, you know, if you have a block of six hours, you sit down and watch it with your friends or family or something like that, where, you know, it's the the, the second one isn't without the first or the third one, you know, so like it. I, but I do think it should. No movie should feel like that. I don't feel like you should go to a movie and it feels like, man, this feels like a bridge. But I feel like I less. See. see, I feel like I've, slasher movies are so uh, can be so disposable that to me that that part doesn't ring. That doesn't that doesn't seem as true to me as it seems to the two of you. Like that, this feels like mm. a less complete movie. There's one big reason why this movie feels less complete, and I guess that'll be the first thing we talk about as we get mm. into spoilers, which is now. So, folks, if you don't want to know or if you haven't seen. We'll see you next time. But otherwise, okay, so Laurie's sidelined in this movie. And I think that that is like, I think it's a cool thing to be able to do a middle movie in this trilogy where Laurie is not the protagonist of the movie. However, I think the movie feels like it's setting up a confrontation that doesn't happen in this movie. And that's what makes it 
to me feel like that kind of incomplete thing. And if so, yeah. so much so to say that we're all kind of saying that some of the weakest stuff was like the mob stuff at the hospital. Lori may as well have just been in a coma for the, for most of the movie. I mean, for all that she does yeah. in the movie, it, maybe we just didn't need that hospital stuff so much that what worked for me was the little vignettes around Haddonfield, different people reacting to Michael yeah. or news I, I that agree. Michael was yeah. back. And I think that stuff did work for me. So I don't know. I think that that would be, I don't mind that, that Lori was sidelined. I think that was kind of a cool experiment, but most of the hospital stuff and most of the stuff they did with Judy Greer's character, it felt like that was the stuff that was getting a little overbearing and not quite as earned. I didn't, I thought the daughter came off great, like running around, you know, doing what she was trying to do, but I don't know. I felt like the, the movie kind of wanted to be like, let's sincerely deal with the tragedy of what happened in the last movie. But I don't know that it was really set up to do that. And so there was a lot of time spent with those characters that really just felt like, oh, there's a slasher movie going on while these characters are kind of moping around. Yeah. Right, right. I think I would have felt better if the prisoner didn't seem like he was kind of mentally disturbed. Or if he looked that anything like Michael Michael Myers' body type. Because Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. <laughs> Stuff like that was just like, man. So this other inmate, about- we should say, is mistaken by the mob as Michael. And so and badness happens. Badness ensues. But he looks the, nothing like, he just doesn't he seem like the guy like who's been seen around town killing people but, at all. But here's the thing. But, but nobody knows, but I mean... Yeah. Nobody knows, who looks like. nobody knows what he looks like. No, but they showed Karen. Michael. They showed Michael Myers' face on the news next to that guy. It's just the camera went fuzzy, but everybody knows what Michael Myers looks like in this world. Like they, 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 they show his face on the news. You know, he's just a guy. It's it. They, 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 they honestly okay. want us to think that because no one really got a good look at the guy's face before he ran out, that like that they thought that, it might be him. Because one person says Michael, and then he runs. But I thought it was actually kind of clever the way they actually they start to show they cut to like the two people that lived and they say there's this one guy you know they're talking about the inmates that survived the wreck of Michael's transport in the first movie and they show the guy who we're talking about the little mentally ill guy who seems like he's in trouble and then the ca- the shot cuts to the other person and they say and and they're saying Michael Myers but the, it like goes it racks focus to the foreground so you don't see uh, Michael Myers's see. face but yeah he's just a guy in their world he's just. Maybe he's got a droopy eye or something. He's just a guy. But that makes it even stranger that anyone would think this little stumpy guy, <laughs> who I've heard people compare to Peter Pettigrew, uh, you know, like, he just does not seem like Michael Myers at all. He's not the same but guy that we've seen. Did they establish in this movie that he he has some some supernatural situation going on? I mean, I, think, I thought after the last scene where he was just basically beaten to almost just, death. Just Laurie's, yeah, Laurie has that that voiceover about like yeah which is so weird you know like he with with the fear and or something like growing that's like non-human or like not with each kill kill he transcends death or something yeah exactly but this movie does address head-on that moment of like what is michael myers supernatural what happens when he dies can he die this movie seems to like go right through that and not really address it but we definitely see him essentially not die when he should have died, right? Like that's what right. that was. Him standing up yeah. at the end is like a is like a confirmation of some kind of some kind of power or some or some kind of force. I mean, yeah. is that is, is that what you guys take from that? Because I honestly thought there was no other way to read that except that oh, yeah, you can't thought, kill him. Like oh no, don't I, I worry, that's guys. What it was. Okay, yeah. so what do we make? What the fuck? What do we make of that? Like, does that? Are we back yeah, in Cult know, of man. Thorn territory, Steve? Or are you flashing back to oh Halloween, my God, no. Halloween 6? <laughs> no, no. Oh, man. I, you know, I don't know, man. That's kind of what makes me feel like it's a little bit of a mess because, I mean, especially because like in watching 
a lot of the press for this and like podcasts that I listen to that he's been on David Gordon Green, you know, the idea for this movie is that it ends right. And like Halloween ends, like picks up years after this, there's right. like a time jump, you know, the idea that it's not the night after that. It's like, like this was to Halloween um, that there's like time between it. And so, you know, seeing Laurie where she's at in the hospital, you know, talking to the officer Hawkins and, you know, basically just kind of telling us about Michael and, and him kind of like ascending beyond, you know, mere mortal uh, existence. Like it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird way to end the movie, especially like where you think about like geographically that last shot and what happens in the last moments and what you see happening in the moments prior to Karen going back into the house. It's like, so what happens after <laughs> yeah what happens after this that takes us years into the future right like if you think about halloween like you know the way they've handled even movies that aren't canon for this this series it's like they usually always end with like a you know he's dead or like they think he's dead or like you know because people can move on with their lives yeah but i guess there's something to be said for like the idea that like the boogeyman just really just disappears or like he's gone yeah you know um but I don't know. Something just, it's just, I have to admit, I like the off. idea. I like the idea of, of not knowing what's up with him. You know what I mean? I like the idea mm -hmm. of when we pick up in, in the next world, the next movie, it's in a world where maybe Michael Myers has disappeared for a year. You know, I like that idea. I, I don't know what story supports that or what he's been doing or how this new grounded version of Michael, not, it's not that he's grounded. He's pretty supernatural. Yeah. So it's like, I, I like that idea because they've done that in the, in the past before where like he was just, missing you know they pick up the next movie and he's missing right i think that's neat i, I think but i i agree with you that it doesn't feel as much like the people in the world of the movie have like a status quo change like it's almost like we had a false ending the ending was when he when when they seem to have him killed in the street and judy greer walks away and then like yeah the what ending was her getting killed. Yeah. And then that's kind of right. where it ends. Like, that's actually the end, you know, is like to say that, yeah. and, and to confirm that that whole thing of why he was staring in that window all this time was that he was looking at his own reflection. You know, I mean, little moments like that are kind of interesting, I thought, like psychologically. I think they do a good job of trying to get into Michael's psychology without doing the 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 Rob Zombie version of of that like they're getting into like well this guy has a memory of Michael Myers as a kid and we can yeah. have that resonate through the movie I thought that was that was actually kind of neat but um but yeah you're right that as far as like what was the story of this movie it's like well it didn't quite commit fully to doing the Tommy Doyle is the main character thing um yeah and it seemed like Laurie was around just for them to reiterate fifty times that it's not about you, you know, which I think is a cool note. I think it is cool for Laurie to come to terms with the notion that maybe Michael Myers doesn't remember you and doesn't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> and he came back to your house because someone kind of set him on a path to that house, you know, um, yeah, I like that idea. I don't know if this movie's saying that's true. It's kind of like uh in uh you know how in the Star Wars. A prequel, a sequel trilogy. There was the whole thing about who Ray's parents were, and it was like kicked back and forth. It's like, right. well, Ryan Johnson says they were nobodies. Well, J.J. Abrams says that <laughs> she's a Palpatine. <laughs> like, there's something about is Laurie the focus of this? That is maybe that will maybe in the next movie we'll find out that Michael does care. But it was feeling like this movie was there to sort of answer the question people had in the last one in 2018 of like, wait a minute, is Michael really obsessed with Laurie, or is he just are people just putting him on the path to Laurie, and then she's right. obsessed with him? 
you know. But I don't know that the movies have really grappled with that uh, fully. Like, I think there's still an interesting story that they haven't told of like what does what happens when Laurie almost like you know tips the scale. Like, I really thought the first Halloween when they when it came out, I thought we were going to see like oh unhinged Laurie is going to see Michael everywhere and start killing people or something like that. Like, I thought it was going to be some crazy new wrinkle like that, but instead it was no unhinged Laurie. Has been hiding out in the in this compound for thirty years and planning uh, something that didn't really go that well. <laughs> right, as, as we right. find out, he got um, on the injury reserve list pretty quickly. Yeah. Man, I was like, "What?" <laughs> so she's not gonna fight him at all. Like, right. he's not gonna come to the hospital and try to kill her or anything. She's just like, "Oh, <laughs> go on without me." <laughs> all right, I guess I don't yeah. know. It was, that was a weird choice. So what did you think of bringing back these survivors just to kind of pick them off? Well, actually, one of them stuck around. So we'd still have Lindsay. Uh, but Tommy died, and the nurse uh, died, and Lonnie died. Yeah. Uh, Lonnie, who's still Kyle still Richards. in my my favorite scene in um in uh, the first Halloween, is is Loomis hiding in the bushes. And Lonnie's the kid he scares away, right, from the... Yeah. Uh, and he's like... <laughs> I thought that was funny. But I thought that was yeah. cool. And Robert Longstreet, I'm big on him right now. I thought he brought a real... There was a real humanity to that, that moment when he kind of says goodbye to the kids in the car, knowing probably he's going to die, but trying to act like he he thinks they might. Yeah. Serve. That yeah. was, you know, they, good I, good I like actors that. do something with these characters in this movie. But most of those moments, as you mentioned, Steve, most of the moments I'm talking about that I loved, they're, they're all on the margin moments that have to do with a little bit of a little bit of a good characterization and a good, a good performance. It's not because this movie is really building towards any... Big thing, I guess. The mob, fi- I guess, seeing people take Michael Myers on is the whole point of it. But that kind right. of is a wet fart because they <laughs> they they succeed and then he kills them all anyway. You know, it's almost right. like it doesn't want to commit to an idea of what Michael is. I feel like Lonnie. I feel like that's a good example. Like Lonnie's death. Like you know, you you see all this like flashback of like Lonnie, you know, of like interacting with Michael and like Michael leaving him alone and like you know what impact that's had on him. Um, what and, if Michael left him alone again and then and, killed his kid? You know, that, that would have been something. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just up. like the fact that he goes in the house and that's all you see of him. And then you yeah. see him hanging out of an attic door. You know, it's like, I just wish that it was more of like, you know, for all the time spent with these kills, like that, it was that there would have been more of a build to that character's death. You yeah, know what I mean? I, like, I agree uh, that character needed more. Right. And I mean, like, you know, cause you do see a lot of that character in the movie and like, he's, pretty good in the movie actually he's great actually in certain scenes and and even like you said like with his kid like his kid gets like brutally killed and like they spend so much time on that but like the character that you've seen for the better part of this movie who's kind of like tommy's like second guy you know in terms of like the leads coming back you know it's him and tommy it's like it just doesn't and like yeah and and nurse marion like the stuff in the car and like just some of that stuff was so stupid to me like it just was so silly you know like her her, her death and like i think they were trying I, to I show did, how people kind of fall apart when they're in a stressful moment yeah, but I that's agree. what i'm saying about it, it felt it. a little wrong to bring back these like uh, iconic characters to do that to them if these had just been random schmoes it's fine to have them die in Different these goofy story. ways right, but it felt right, a little right, bit like right. why did you bring back this team of survivors just to uh, again if it was part of the meanness that i think helped the characterization of Michael, but it did feel like a wasted opportunity to like, you know, in the end, kind of what you're saying, Steve, why? <laughs> There's a big, why, why this movie? Yeah. Um, like why, yeah. Why them? I don't right. know. I did. I did like, uh, Lindsay, I did like 
I did like her like confronting Michael yeah. and like the holding her own and like being able full to of escape him. Yeah, like know know what to do to get away from him. Like you know, like her running and like going between these trees, and even though you know he's kind of just pacing and and hiding. And I I did like that. I mean, like that's kind of like a cre- that's like a good that's a good reason to have that character come back because like she's under like she has a knowledge of the character you know what and that's kind of something i keep hitting on is that like when you when i don't know that i got that from the movie like that people know who michael myers is like i I feel like if to me my feeling was especially from the 18 film it's like i don't feel like people remember michael myers and i feel like you know the, the 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 podcast team that went and sought him out at the mental hospital is like what we talked about before it's like these people digging into something that a lot of people don't even know about. And, um, you know, and I think perspective is everything. And cause like, you know, here in 2021 or 2020 or whenever this is happening, you know, somebody killing three people 40 years ago is a blip on the radar. Yeah. For it just like doesn't track shit Th- that, that part of it just doesn't track. And they try to comment on that, but it, you're, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles of that approach. I understand that it cleans up the timeline so they can make movies yeah. they want to make. But as far as like what that does to our logical understanding of how this the world works, it doesn't seem like but, it even makes Lori feel a little weird that she's still so obsessed with what happened when when it was just one night, you know, like yeah. not that she didn't well, go through I mean, some shit. She went through some shit, yeah. but people survive that kind of stuff in the real world that build lives. And I'm, I'm just saying it makes sure. the decision to make her kind of a broken person feels like a real choice. You don't have to play her broken. Uh, but that clearly is the concept behind this trilogy. So. And yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying about the legacy people coming back in is that like, you know, Lori is the extreme, you know, but these are also characters that experienced that moment in time 40 years ago that could still be impacted by it. And that obviously are choosing to every year get together and have a drink and, you know, Reminisce. here's one for Lori or yeah. whatever. Like, you know, there's something that it, it still matters a lot to them. So like, I feel like those characters would be the ones banging the drum in ways other than just the mob mentality uh, way that the movie goes it's like you know these would be the characters that have an understanding more than anybody you know who michael myers was and possibly still is you know so for like the nurse and you know even kind of how tommy's approach was and, and lonnie you know i think i think Lindsay's really the only one that gets a moment you know that kind of shows like why you would have a legacy character around like her telling the kids where is he like you know yeah no run keep running don't stop like those you know, kids are great stuff, when they say that, that guy's been playing so hide and seek yeah. with us and he's been look there all, he is all night and, yeah and we it's see so him, good oh, that's so great that works that's so great and they're like but, what are we know. three years old you know the kids are just being <laughs> such kids about it um so Man, what do you guys a, oh go ahead ron i was just gonna say the 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 nurse that was dressed up like a doctor and a doctor <laughs> was dressed up like a nurse and then the the gun death that happened with yeah, her. Right. I'm like, yeah. I understand that stuff like that happens on occasion. That felt like so cartoony. Like it felt like, oh, see, <laughs> it's like I think they like to throw in one of those you did it to yourself deaths every now and then in these movies. Yes. But I think they also they because do, er, yeah. earlier they have the cop getting killed by the other cop. And Michael's like, yeah, this is as good as any other way to kill somebody. And he just drops the body <laughs> and splits. And I think that felt the same way about him him kicking the car door of like it was a little silly, but it would also it was also sort of like you sense him kind of going, Yeah, okay, cool. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, you're dead, you're dead. I don't I don't have to do it with my hands for it to count. You know, I there's other people yeah. to kill around here. So I I liked it for that reason, but I also do think like 
that that car full of characters that I was really starting to get into was like, oh no, they're essentially just cannon fodder. Sitting ducks. Yeah. And again, you no. need that in these movies. The body count was very high. I sort of appreciate that, but it does seem like, yeah, you weren't really trying to develop these characters. And that's kind of what we're talking about, Steve, I guess, with the legacy part of it is like, yeah, definitely. Did definitely. you bring them back just to make a point? Like Tommy at least exists to kind of make a point about mob uh, mentality, mob violence. And uh, I don't know, he's probably anti-vax too, but they don't get into that in the movie. Um, <laughs> but like, the, the, I do think Anthony Michael Hall looks pretty good tossing that baseball bat around. Like, and you know, like I, I bought he that does. guy. I he bought does. that local guy, the kind of towny guy who's got like- Huckleberry. Who, who would like help you. He'd probably come help you out if you needed it too. You know, he seems like a solid yeah, guy, yeah. but he also seems a little bit puffed up, a little bit self-serious. Um, and maybe he was kind of playing himself and damaged a, a little. Yes, damaged very, very much yeah. so. Uh, but I loved the. I, I have to say the scene where he goes to the hospital. One of my favorite Laurie moments is him talking to her, and when she's like Tommy, and she tells him what to do, and he's like, "Okay, Laurie." And I was like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. I love that! This little dynamic that shows you, yeah. you know, she was his babysitter. She's always been like however many years older than him, so he probably still thinks of her that way as like, yeah. sure, anything for you, Laurie, you know." Um, yeah, that was cool. But yeah, I, I felt like the movie maybe needed a little bit more of that if it was going to have so much Lori in it. Just her basically having the same conversation over and over again with different people. Um, so what do you think of the decision to kill Karen? I guess that's the last uh, thing we should talk about. The movie ends with sort of su surprise murder of the Judy Greer character who was kind of shaping up to be the lead, uh, the second lead after Tommy maybe of this one. Um, what did you guys think of that? Was it just a shock or do you think it kind of clears the way for like, we're going to pick up with what four years later, what the relationship between Allison and her grandmother is and maybe they're closer, maybe they're not. What do, what do you think Killing Karen does for this, this trilogy? I think it, it definitely sets up Allison and her grandmother brutalizing Michael Myers. Like it, <laughs> I, I, there's like, it feels like that felt like the kill build death, like the, the, the beginning of the movie where the catalyst for the yeah. bride coming back, like it was that fucked up of a death. I'm like, he's got to go. Like before I'm like, you know, let him, let him walk around after that death. I'm like, he's got to go. They got they gotta they gotta kill the shit out of him at this point. But it's probably not gonna happen in that way. And one of them is gonna die. I don't think it's gonna be Allison. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a grandmother. It's the only way it can end. That's the only yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So or maybe should end. I yeah, I don't know. I think that it's uh it's a bummer to see Judy Greer go because like I genuinely like her and most things yeah. that she's in and she's pretty beloved. But uh I think uh, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed. I, I, I guess it kind of works um, for maybe what their plan is for Halloween ends in terms of taking Laurie off the board for this whole movie and kind of Karen kind of running the show for the most part with Tommy. Yeah. Um, you know, and even Karen kind of being the one that orchestrates the closest they get to, to killing Michael in, in this movie and saving her daughter and all this good stuff. <clears throat> she really is kind of like the hero of this movie. Um that Michael gets the upper hand on in a kind of a weird scene. Like it's like a random, like look at him, look at the window, see a kid in a costume and then go up and Michael's somehow there. But I guess it works. I mean, again, I got to assume where they're going with this last movie. Um, I like taking one of the heroes off the board, even, you know, though I like her a lot, especially, you know, when I've mentioned the whole idea of like three generations of Strode, women like kind of being responsible for taking him down, which would have absolutely 
almost worked had, you know, you know, essential personnel not intervened. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, it's a sad thing to see her get killed, um, especially this poor girl has lost now both of her parents. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's going to only uh, kind of, you know, it only kind of uh, serves to motivate Laurie even more once you see her find out or, or you will, we won't see her find out. We'll right. see them dealing with it after the fact. I know. But, and that's a weird thing about it being yeah. a time jump yeah. is that we won't see them. Yeah. Di- yeah discover it. Yeah. So, but I do yeah, like that Halloween is when he comes around. I do like the idea that whatever it is, it's at least a year before he comes out and kills again. You know, like I think uh, sure. that, 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 I can't remember in the movies. There was one, there was like an old man who found Michael in the woods and nursed him back to health, and he was living in his cabin for a year. Did, wasn't that something that happened? Yeah, I didn't make that up. Yeah, that's the uh, guy that. Yeah, 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 totally. And uh, and when he when he like survives down when he's like down the river. Yeah, he's like fished him in, out of the in river. Halloween. I think it's yeah. Halloween Five. Yeah, he, he, right. this movie starts off with him pulling out of the river and he like saves him, <laughs> nurses him back to life. <laughs> At any rate, I I, th- I do think this movie has problems, and I think that, like, whatever it does, it still has got us queued up for whatever that next story is. It almost feels like it's going to be a disconnected story from from this, you know, these, this was right. much more of a one-two punch. Um, but like I said, I... I, I um, I think that Karen getting so much to do in this movie and then getting killed is a little bit like the coolness of bringing back the survivors just to kind of treat them like any other character in a movie like this. So it's like, to me, I agree with you, Steve, that like there aren't characters that should necessarily be sacred um, uh, in a story like this. And I, you know, I would have, like for instance, with Lonnie, um, which by the way, I'm remembering now the line from the first Halloween. It's when Loomis is watching the Myers house in the bushes and Lonnie comes up and, and like, the, it's like you can see the kids are daring each other to go up on the porch of the Myers house. And then Loomis just says, I think he says, uh, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Yeah. <laughs> and he says it like in a creepy voice and the kid runs, you know. Uh, but it's like, I always like that moment because it really seems like Loomis is honestly just having fun, like scaring oh, yeah, these definitely. kids. Like for a split second, he kind of seems kind of pleased with himself. But I do think that, yeah, that being Lonnie, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I think if I had any, like... I think this movie tried to do an interesting thing of like who gets killed on camera, who gets killed off camera. And that rhythm you were talking about, Steve, like Lonnie's death felt like it should have been an on camera death and it wasn't. Um, I think that giving Karen this like, like, oh, like they really linger on it. She gets stabbed a bunch. We really see like, oh, wow. And then it ends on Michael, essentially. So I do think that saving that kind of brutal character you love moment for this ending did feel like they were trying to go out on a big punch. And I don't think it's an ill-considered one because I do think setting like Allison and and Laurie's relationship without Karen in between it does sound like fertile ground yeah. to go to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think the big the, if I have any negative feelings about it, it's really just she's another good character like Lonnie, like whoever that they killed in this. But at least she died in a significant way, Man, and yeah. I think it's really what we're saying is it's sad for any franchise to lose Judy Greer if they can help it. You kind of <laughs> you, you know Judy Greer is like a great ingredient for a movie to have in it so for sure um 
but yeah, you kind of needed something. I agree with you, Steve. Like you, you, you know, taking a character off the board feels like an act of, of true storytelling or confidence or something for a movie like this. Um, did you right. notice that her sweater, she was wearing like a Christmas sweater. Do you notice that it got more Christmassy as the movie went along? Like actually more more snowflakes and trees were appearing? Oh, no. no, I'm just kidding. No? <laughs> it's just that every time I saw her, I was like, God, that is a fucking Christmas. That sweater is Christmassy as hell. <laughs> it just seemed more and more so. And I kept wondering, like, was there a context to her grabbing that sweater and putting it on? I can't remember at what point she decided she was wearing a Christmas sweater. Because it's Halloween. Ready to get Halloween over with. I know. That's what it was. She's one of those ladies. She's like ready to change out the decorations. It's like, get this out of here. All right. Well, Halloween kills. And all that said, I can't wait to see Halloween ends. I know. I'm I'm excited to to see. Because it it sounds like they have an idea for that one, too. Right. That's it. That's it. And that's what they want from these movies. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, regardless where you fall, it's like the best thing that they can do for these movies is still just at least make them interesting enough that you want to see what's next. And that's yeah. where absolutely where I'm at. So yeah, this time next year, we'll be talking about Halloween ends and hopefully uh, overall, it's a more positive conversation. Uh, I, again, I'll watch this movie again, no doubt. I just was a little let down by it. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's enough. We've, yeah. we've went on uh, plenty about Halloween kills. Again, it's uh, in theaters now and also on Peacock. If you have that streaming, uh, subscription. Um, did you guys have anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up? Not I. All right. Oh, good deal. Uh, MoviesMovie.com is the website. You can uh, find all of the episodes there if you want to listen right on the site or jump over to your favorite podcast platform from there with a link to pretty much everywhere we are available. YouTube.com slash MoviesMovie. Same for Instagram, Facebook, all the socials, the same slash movie schmovie. But on the YouTube, you can subscribe, see the video element that we shoot every week when we do the audio. Um, pick your poison in terms of how you prefer to watch the podcast. But if you do subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or any podcast uh, platform, if you can leave a review or some sort of rating if it's available, a thumbs up, anything like that, we'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe, I don't know, maybe talk a little more about Dune. Hopefully I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, but um i'm sure we'll come up with something fun and exciting yes. as always um and speaking of as always you made our day thanks <laughs> get your ass away from there lonnie <laughs>